Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witts University in Johannesburg. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. And a good afternoon to uh, James Wan, who joins us from London. James, you may, people may know James from uh, following our Facebook page, our Twitter. Also, we've referenced uh, some of his work in previous podcasts. James is a senior editor over at Think Africa Press, which is a fantastic blog and podcast and social media outlet covering all aspects of Africa. Uh, James does a lot of writing on China, Africa, and that's where we're going to talk to him today about herbal medicine in Uganda. James, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Hi, it's great to be on. Again, we've, uh, it's really thrilling because I'm actually a big fan. I'm starstruck a little bit, Cobus, because we've, uh, we've been publishing James's stuff uh, all over our social media quite some time. And then this article came up, Get Rich or Die Trying, the Chinese Herbal Medicine Death Sentence in Uganda. And that really just, we said, okay, we got to get James on to talk about this. And what it talks about is um, a morally questionable, actually it's not even morally questionable, James, it's just awful, um, scheme, a multi-level marketing scheme by a company by the name of Tins, or known as, in Chinese as Tian Shi, which is selling uh, kind of medical devices and kind of faux uh, Chinese traditional medicine, and it's really in a multi-level marketing kind of scene scenario, which if you're not familiar with what multi-level marketing is, it's basically... It, you know, it's a fine line between multi-level marketing and a pyramid scheme where people actually have to pay money to join to sell the product. Oftentimes, people just sell the products to other people who sell the products. And then the products themselves are of questionable quality. So James did some excellent reporting uh, in Uganda, in and around Kampala, where he came across this, uh, this company, this huge Chinese company named Tins, and it's got branches in 110 countries, 16 in Africa. They've got 10,000 people working for them globally. And then in Uganda itself, they've got 30 stores, and then there's a 200,000 people who've joined Tins to sell their crappy products. So what we're going to do today is get kind of get under the hood and just understand a little bit about what's going on and how this company in particular may be taking advantage of people's necessity for healthcare and desperation for healthcare. So James, I, I guess the first question for you is how did this story come up on your radar and what prompted you to to kind of to to, to dig a little bit into it? So I actually, when I went out to Uganda, I didn't have a clue that the company existed. Um, and I was there because I got some support from the WITS China Africa reporting project to go and do some research into uh, Chinese medical clinics. So um, I was going to be talking to kind of Chinese migrants who'd moved, moved over to Uganda to set up these private medical clinics and, you know, talk to them and talk to their patients to, you know, ask all the interesting questions around, around that. Um, but I quite quickly got got kind of sidetracked onto this company. Um, in fact, the very first person I spoke to, my driver who uh, drove me from Entebbe Airport into Kampala, was quite interested by my project and started telling me about this company that he said his wife was a member of. Um, and he said, you know, you can quite often find these guys, uh, you know, in, in bus stations or on streets, and they'll come and talk to you and try to either sell you these products or tell you about this company and get you to sign up. Um, so that seemed quite interesting. And I didn't know anything about the company. And I think he couldn't even remember what the name of it was. Um, but then when I started talking to these Chinese doctors that I was, you know, firstly there to talk to, um, I kind of mentioned this thing um, to see to see what their perspective was. And 
some people were completely dismissive and just said, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. That's not really that's not really Chinese medicine. They're not really Chinese doctors, um, whereas some were quite explicitly critical of it um, and said that they were worried it was going to undermine their reputation. Um, and in fact, one doctor mentioned that he'd been that he, he thought that it was actually quite dangerous. And he said that he'd been con contacted um, a few months ago or the year before by police um, after someone who'd been suffering from kidney disease uh, suddenly died of a toxic overdose. And the police contacted him because he was a Chinese uh, herbal medicines expert um, to ask him whether these products, these kind of herbal medicine products from the company Tian's that they, they found he'd been taking could have, could have been responsible. Um, and the doctor suggested, I mean, he said he thought it was kind of highly plausible um, and suggested that the family get a more detailed toxicity report. But unfortunately, they couldn't afford to get that. So they couldn't really pursue it. Um, but and, yeah, it was and, mostly from just kind of initial conversations and people bring it up that I realized it was, you know, there was this quite big, big and possibly quite dangerous company. And James, what kind of treatments do they offer? Like what, what, what is, does the treatment actually constitute? Yeah, so there are two, there seem to be two aspects to what these uh, 30 stores that Eric mentioned um, offer. So on the one hand, they do uh, diagnostic tests. So you can go in and there are these attendants who can do these tests on you that take, you know, five minutes. And they say that they can uh, test you for basically anything from back pain to liver disease to tumors to kind of uh, typhoid. Um, and I actually went to a clinic in Kampala and got tested and it was quite clear quite early on that it was, it was, uh, that the, the attendant was kind of, uh, manip manipulating the test to give out as many results as possible. Um, so on the one hand, you have those diagnostic tests. And on the other hand, you have all the products. And they make similarly bold claims about the products. And the products range from uh, pills and capsules to body creams to teas and soaps and toothpastes. Um, and one of the very high-level sellers uh, and recruiters told me that these products are basically good for everything and anything. They, he said, if you have HIV, we can help. If you have cancer, we can help. He said, even, even if you have a hernia, you can just take these products and your hernia will disappear. I guess my, my question, you know, when I was reading it, I was a little bit puzzled that obviously these things don't cure AIDS. They don't cure hepatitis. They don't cure kidney failure and whatnot and all the different things that they said they would cure. Um, you would think that word of mouth would spread, that this is a joke that people are spending a lot of money. And this is not insignificant for, for people considering the per capita income in Uganda. I mean, hundreds of dollars uh, per treatments on this, that why hasn't word spread that this is just bogus? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think there may be kind of two aspects to that. I think on the one hand, what I found with some people at least is that they couldn't they couldn't actually afford to finish the treatment. So when I went to get tested, um, the doctor, you know, in inverted commas, the doctor um, wrote out about 25 different diseases that I apparently had and wrote me a prescription that came to over 1 million Ugandan shillings, which is about 400 US dollars, I think. Um, so of the, of the people who had gone for treatment that I spoke to, quite a few of them said, 
oh, you know, this treatment is, is, is working, but the reason I'm still in pain or the reason that my child is still suffering is that I haven't quite been able to afford uh, all of the medicines yet. So, you know, I'm improving, but I'm still not fully cured. Um, so in that way, I guess you're kind of delaying the moment at which people might recognize that it doesn't work at all. Um, on the other hand, I think it's just quite a difficult kind of health environment in which people, I think it's quite easy to get sucked in by all the rhetoric around it. So um, I think people are reassured by the fact that this is a Chinese company. So they think because the medicines have traveled 10,000 miles that, you know, there must be something right with it. Um, and because they're told that these medicines have helped people all around the world, um, uh, they're told that um, by both other patients and also by recruiters um, who obviously have an interest in uh, emphasizing the the effectiveness of these medicines. Um, they're told of all these stories of other people who have been helped. Um, and I think perhaps it's often difficult for people to kind of outrightly claim that these medicines aren't aren't working. They might think that they haven't worked as well as they should have for them personally. But I think it's quite difficult for them to, um, you know, just just make the claim that they don't work at all. And one of the one of the really interesting aspects of this of this whole situation is that the Ugandans are increasingly not only being treated um, using these medicines, but are also now selling them to each other. Um, and I was really taken aback to to hear to read in your article that ten members of parliament are also part of this kind of like selling network. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that and and like how does this the the kind of commercial side of this actually work. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, on the members of parliament side, I think one thing that certainly helps this company is the legitimacy that is conferred from its links with with government. Um, so, I, for example, I went to one of the recruitment seminars and uh, one of the people who spoke at it was the mayor of Bugembe, um, who I was told is also a member himself. Um, and also the vice president has officiated a ceremony uh, in which one of the distributors was awarded a, a, a brand new car. Um, and he's met with uh, like the kind of the high level uh, kind of directors who came over from China to meet him. And on their website, there are all these photos of, of their meeting. Um, but the way that the business model works um is that it's kind of a combination of sales and recruitment. So like Eric said in the introduction, there's, it's a fine line between a pyramid scheme and a multi-level marketing scheme. And essentially the, the difference is that a pyramid scheme doesn't have any tangible product involved. It's purely based on recruitment, whereas multi-level marketing schemes at least purport to have some, some kind of product um, that's being sold kind of at the end of the at the end of the thread. Um, but often these multi-level marketing schemes are really just pyramid schemes in disguise. Um, and I found that with with Tien's, um, there was very little emphasis on the idea of selling products. So you have these 30 stores which sell products, but for, for the other kind of 200,000 members, um, they were really told that the way to make money is to recruit other people. Um, and when you recruit other people, 
when you recruit other people, uh, the rewards that you get increase. You move up the ladder where you get higher and higher commissions. Um, once you get to a certain level, they say that you start just kind of you're able to you're really able to just sit back and watch as the as the money rolls in and if you keep recruiting more members eventually you'll be given a brand new car you'll be taken on international trips if you keep recruiting new, more members after that you'll you get a luxury yacht and then uh what is it a, a, pri- a private jet and then eventually this massive villa complex yes and of course um, nobody knows anybody who's ever gotten any of those so yeah well actually it seems that you know everyone talks about this one guy i think from ghana who who did get apparently did did get this massive villa complex um and i think it helps that they're able to point to you know a very small handful of individuals that have these cars when they're recruiting and say well you know well it worked for me or it worked for him um so it could work for you too. It's a classic model. You know, you're, we've been talking mostly about the, the negatives of this, um, but you did reach out to, to Tian Shi to try and get their perspective on it. And what happened? Did you get any of their side of the story? Um, no, not really. So, I, I mean, I spoke to a lot of members before I wrote the article. Um, so I, I spoke to a lot of the, the really high-level members um, and the chairman of the company, um, as in the, the, the chairman of the kind of Ugandan branch of the company. Um, but when I followed up with what I'd found about uh, the health side and what I found about um, the business model and how it was possibly quite unsustainable, um, I, I didn't get any response. I mean, I, I contacted each of my contacts at least, you know, three, four, five times um, and tried to contact the headquarters in China as well several times, but didn't get any response. You know, Cobus, hearing this, this is the kind of thing that we see over and over again that just does so much reputational damage to the Chinese in Africa. Uh, we've, we've reported, you know, a lot on the fact that there's a chronic problem of counterfeit medicines that come in. We've talked about the ivory issue. You know, these are these kind of private sector abuses that are happening. And I'm curious, you know, this is going on in Uganda. Have you seen any of this in Johannesburg? Um, I have not, um, but you know, kind of. I'm also not. I wasn't particularly looking. Um, there has been in South Africa um, some some s- similar kind of schemes, but not coming from China. Um, there was there was one scheme that I investigated when I was working as an investigative reporter, which purported to cure HIV through kind of electromagnetism. Um, but that, as far as I understand, came from Europe somewhere. But you would also um, think so, that so I haven't. Yeah. But you would also think that South. Africa has a stronger regulatory system, I mean, as inconsistent as it may be, than, say, Uganda. So we may not see this everywhere. Yes. Okay. That, that's true. But, but South Africa also has a very, uh, a very burgeoning kind of alternative uh, medicine, you know, kind of world. Um, so everywhere, if you, if you drive around in Johannesburg, you see posters everywhere for everything from enlarging your genitalia to seeing who your enemy is by looking in a mirror and, and so on and so on. So, you know, kind of there's, there's a lot of kind of like weird, like quackery kind of going on in South Africa. So, yeah, you know, kind of, but I, I haven't particularly seen a Chinese version of that. Um, James, I actually I was intrigued by one complication in your in your article where you um, 
mentioned that you know, kind of you you ended up like double checking the Chen's um, medicines with do- Ugandan doctors who had studied Chinese medicine I- in Beijing and are now like practicing in in Uganda. So, is, is there a situation where you both have this kind of bogus Chinese medicine um, arriving via Chinese multinational, and then also actual like Chinese you know kind of medical education being practiced in Uganda? Am I understanding that correctly? Um, so that doctor, yeah, so he studied in, in Beijing. He, he traveled there and, and went to university there. Well, it's, inter- very, it's very interesting. Yeah. So is, is this a situation where it was, was this kind of uh, exchange facilitated by the Chinese government or is, is, was this one person who, who was just interested in, in Chinese medicine? Right. So this guy, this particular guy, it was his own private decision to do that. And actually, he, his, his story is quite interesting. He said that, you know, his uh, father, I think it was, uh, had some business contacts with a Chinese company when he was very young. And he, he fell over and uh, sprained his leg or something. And uh, one of the doctors from this Chinese company that his dad uh, was dealing with had an acupuncturist and, and did acupuncture and he felt better. And, and from that point on, he always wanted to become a doctor and become a Chinese medical doctor. Um, but I think there are also links with uh, kind of government to government links where they try to encourage uh, Ugandan doctors to study in China um, and those kinds of uh, diplomatic links. Yeah, I mean, it's been a trend over the past few years that more Africans are studying traditional Chinese medicine and also the Chinese government are sending more uh, Chinese medical practitioners to, to Africa. And and so uh, on the one hand, I don't want people to kind of walk away from our discussion thinking that uh, Chinese medicine is somehow connected to this because there's a whole body of Chinese medicine that is legitimate, that is proven. And that's what, you know, personally, it's not my thing. You know, I don't like eating the bitter pumpkin seeds that go in the back of your throat. And, it, it you know, the stuff tastes nasty for me. But, you know, I, I'm not going to denigrate it for other people. Um, and and in, in, someone, in, in many ways, Chinese medicine is very applicable for a developing market context because it doesn't rely on expensive pharmaceuticals. It doesn't rely on expensive equipment. Uh, so, there, I, you know, I'm going to put a little hand up there to kind of defend Chinese medicine so we don't mix what this multi-level marketing slash pyramid scheme slash scam uh, is necessarily with traditional Chinese medicine. I, would you echo that or disagree? in any way um i would definitely echo that okay yeah i think um one kind of fear i suppose with this article is that yeah people might take it the wrong way and just think that all chinese medicine is bogus or that you know uh, it's just another example of how china's screwing over ugandans but i, I hope that people recognize that this is one very specific company and one of the reasons that i got chinese doctors to kind of look at the the medical claims um, is because I wanted to kind of emphasize that they were saying that their response wasn't, you know, this is bogus because it's Chinese medicine. They were saying this is bogus because it's not Chinese medicine. It's it's something else that, that they claim. Well, it's some excellent reporting. Once again, the name of the article is Get Rich or Die Trying, the Chinese Herbal Medicine Death Sentence in Uganda. Just if you want to do some research on this, the company name is Tins, T-I-E-N-S, or you can also look up uh, Tian Shi, T-I-A-N-S-H-I. And particularly if you're listening to this in Uganda or in any of the 30 countries in Africa that uh, that have a presence of this company, uh, based on what James is reporting, you know, you should really use a lot of caution 
Uh, and you should actually even spread the word that this uh, this may not be what it is. You know, obviously, you know, I I don't know myself, you know, I, so I can't say one way or another. But at the same time, based on what James has been reporting, uh, it does sound very questionable if, you know, not downright just bad. Uh, so, James, uh, excellent reporting. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, listen, the Think Africa Press is all over the web. Tell us a little bit about uh, how people can follow what you're reporting and what your colleagues are doing and where they can kind of get in touch with you guys. Yeah, so if you want to follow Think Africa Press, and the website is just thinkafricapress.com, um, and we have a you know, we do quite a lot of stuff on Facebook, on uh, Facebook slash Think Africa Press. Um, and our Twitter feed is Think Africa Feed. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at James J. Wan. Um, and yeah, if you want to get in touch, then our emails are all on the website and on our Twitter feeds. Excellent. And, and you guys also have a podcast as well. Yeah, we have a podcast. It's kind of become, it's been delayed a bit, the most recent one, uh, just because of capacity issues. But we'll hopefully get that up and running quite soon again. Excellent. It's a fantastic website. Once again, that's Think africapress.com uh, check it out they do everything and there's quite a bit of China Africa that comes up and James does a lot of that hey Kobus if people want to follow what you're reading and writing these days what's the best way they can stay in touch with you you can reach both of us on our Facebook page it's facebook.com slash China Africa project and I'm also on Twitter at Stadenesk that's S-A-S-D-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E James are you following us on Facebook I am, yes. Oh, good. So James is part of 195,000, <laughs> 96,000. And by the time we're closing in on 200,000, so we're very excited. So hopefully, James, we can uh, have you comment on some of the, the, the articles that we post up there. We've got a great community from all over the world. We'd love you to, to join us. Uh, Kobus and I, we put our names in brackets anytime we, uh, we comment, so you know who you're talking to. And sometimes there's some disagreements. And so uh, we'd like to, to hear from you. We'd love to kind of have you post, have you recommend articles. If you want to reach out, to us uh, and say you want to be on the show. We, that happens quite a bit. We've had probably 10 or 15 people over the years who've just said, hey, I'm doing this. Can I come on the show? Students, scholars, journalists, think tank people. Uh, so definitely recommend topics. And if you want to do a little bit of self-promotion, we're open to that as well. And if you want to follow this podcast, so many different ways to do it. If you're on the BlackBerry Network in South Africa, you can listen to us there. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. And of course, the best way is just to type in China Africa Project right into iTunes and we'll come up right there. So we'll be back again soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 